Hey, listeners, before we get started, if you're enjoying these episodes, you can actually check them out on YouTube in full video. You can just search Honest Ecommerce and you'll get pulled right to our channel. Make sure you subscribe and ring the bell for all the updates. Don't overcomplicate um, what the business model may be. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honesty Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And today, we're welcoming to the show the CEO and co-founder of Vita5, a premium gummy vitamin brand. They are innovating the way in the vitamins industry. Nick Hall, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm excited to chat. So you got your start out of an 800 square foot house, which is I, I, I know exactly how big that is because I used to grow up in a similar sized home. Um, but that's when you guys were juniors back at TCU. Uh, so where did you come up with the idea for this brand? Did you always want to be an entrepreneur? Kind of give me some backstory before you know the the brand was incepted. Yeah, I remember. Gosh, my entrepreneurial journey started, or at least the idea of of me wanting to become an entrepreneur started at like a pretty young age. I was ten years old. I remember looking up a list of billionaires. Back when I was young, I thought money meant everything. <laughs> Things have changed since, but um, so I looked at a big list of like, hey, what are the top billionaires? And I looked at like lawyers, doctors, like who was it that was really able to make a ton of money? And you go look at the list, and there are a couple doctors, a couple of lawyers, but they own massive firms. Um, they've got tons of investment. They've got all this stuff. Um, fast forward a little bit, I start going to college, and really it was kind of one of those things that I would say is like an ideal. But kind of a far-fetched idea of like, oh, I'd love to run my own business out of school. Um, started a business with one of my buddies. Um, and it was grocery delivery, similar to if you're familiar with like Favor or really nowadays like DoorDash and all those. Um, we were nowhere near as complex as them, nowhere near as smart as them. And we, we built it up, brought in $152 in revenue. Brought in about if you take away all costs and we just look at the cost of goods and stuff, uh, we made like three dollars and profit with that, and then shut the business down, couldn't figure it out. Um, after that, started a window cleaning business by myself, built that up to a reasonable business. Like, I mean, I think in a summer I maybe made like ten grand, and then um, we, you know, I, I decided like, hey, let me go get a job at like a bigger corporation, work an internship and stuff like that. And then after that, I I worked on a couple of business ideas with my. Uh, now business partner. And we found that we worked really, really well together. He was really good on the um, like design marketing front. And I was substantially better on the uh, like finance operations. So um, he was actually down in Austin, met with someone who had these little packs of vitamins. Uh, they were super expensive. And he was trying to get an internship. And he was like, Hey, how about we um, look at just doing something similar since this guy was kind of like, eh, I don't really care what your idea is, whatever. Like, I mean, the guy was doing well with business. He didn't need any advice from a 20 year old college student. So um, he came back to me and we were like, Hey, let's see if we can figure something out with this. And so that was kind of the, the start and the inception. And then obviously the idea has grown and, and changed since. Absolutely. You know, what's funny is uh, I think that it's maybe it's a trait of young pe- like young people that are destined to be entrepreneurs to kind of be almost obsessed with money in a weird way. Because I remember when I was younger, I was like a kind of a nerd 
I wasn't looking at billionaires, but I was always like calculating, you know, how much money could I make if I could catch this odd job at work? Basically, every hour I wasn't sleeping, could I afford an Xbox? Like, I would always do like these weird thoughts exercises like that. So, I think it it might be a commonality uh, that kind of shows a tendency towards entrepreneurism as an adult in children. Oh, totally. Yeah. You know, it's funny because like back in the day, it was like, oh, how do I be a billionaire? Right. Like, I remember messaging the CEO of Best Buy back when I was like 11. And somehow, I don't know, I don't even know if there's this real email, but I just had told him the story of, you know, I'm 10 years old, whatever. Never got responses from like anyone like that or whatever. But I just always loved the idea of doing stuff like that. And, you know, my mindset's changed a little bit. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that later throughout. But uh, my mindset's changed a bit, um, a bit differently since then. Um, and, and, you know, life goes on, whatever. But um, yeah, it was, it was definitely a fun time. Absolutely. So you mentioned uh, your co-founder, Garrett, I believe is his name. Um, and I, I always enjoy interviewing entrepreneurs that have co-founders. I, I have a co-founder that I would not be here without him. I, yeah. I, I truly believe that. Um, so for people out there that are listening, that are kind of ideating something or they might be trying to get something off the ground and they're, they're, they're struggling with it. Um, what would you say is like the kind of the, the benefits of a co-founder? And then honestly, you know, if you could give another, the, the other side of it is, you know, like maybe some things that you need to consider if you're taking on a co-founder. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'll, I'll speak good first because most, most everything has been good with Garrett and myself. We've had a really, really good partnership. Um, but I'll say that it, it, it was all built on a foundation and similar to building a house, right? Like, if you have your foundation fully set and ready, um, I used to explain it and I was single for the longest time in my life, but I was like, I used to always compare it to a marriage, right? Uh, everyone wants to get married, right? But no one wants to get married to the wrong person. And I think it's the same thing in business. Like everyone wants to have a business partner, but you don't want to have the wrong business partner. So me and my business partner, I would say are like just very, very foundationally similar. And what I mean by that is religiously, politically, um, how we view life, our goals with business, our personal goals in life. And like those things in and of themselves are what I truly believe to be like the most important things. Because like for us, like one of our big visions with the company right now and our big mission is like we want the greatest good for the longest term. And really what that means is in every single thing that we do, we're not doing this for tomorrow or 10 years or 20 years. We're doing this assuming that, hey, if God takes me today, how am I going to feel if I had done something? So we're always trying to work win-win situations. We want to make sure that like consumers are truly getting the best products that they have, that we're not ever going to work with another, whether, whether it's an agency or um, a retailer or a customer. We always just truly want it to be where like, if we were to be sitting at the, at the foot of God right now, how would he react to things? And honestly, that, that creates like a very good basis because I mean, I'll just let you know. So my, my business partner left the business about six, seven months ago. And, um, you know, there's obviously things behind closed doors that like, you know, we've, we've agreed on and all that stuff, but uh, like, I'll just say it full out and honest. Like he still owns every bit of equity that he had from the beginning. And none of that was, but we just have similar values in all that sense. And we're very clear on that. It was never an argument. It was never a thought. He came to me. He's actually doing music now. Um, and he's been doing music for like 20 something years and something he's always loved doing. But I'll still say like to this day, like he's an amazing business partner. I can call him at any point. Um, you know, he still is somewhat like an advisor in a sense. Um, but he isn't like an active operator. So. Um, and then I'll say on the other side, like with a bad business partner, I've had good friends that I wanted to go into uh, to business with. And it wasn't that they were a bad business partner. We just weren't a good fit together. Right. And, you know, I'll relate it back to marriage again, where it's like, Hey, 
this person can be a great person individually, but maybe they're not meant to get it right. And I, I see that the same with business. Like we were both just super like finance operations focused. We neither of us, me and this other business partner, had no marketing skills. And it's just it's really really hard to um, make that. But I definitely, if people are looking for a business partner, I wouldn't go like searching for one because they're so hard to find. But if you do have relationship with someone already, and you guys come up with that idea or whatever, I think that's always good. Yeah, you're not the first person to bring up the concept that you know a business partner is just like a marriage in reality. It's a relationship that I think uh, if you talk to any seasoned entrepreneur, they'd be like, "Yeah, I talk to my business partner almost as much as I talk to my significant other." Um, it, it's that uh, important of a relationship and that and that deep of a connection uh, beyond that. Um, with uh, you know, with your business partner leaving. This is a concept that a lawyer told me once. Um, and not leaving, but he, he walked away. What You kind of explained it better than I am slaughtering right now. Um, but with going into business with anybody, you they, he kind of mentioned like you should pre- prepare for the divorce before you even get started. So were there... Did you guys have those harder conversations? Like, obviously, when there's no money to split, the conversations are a lot easier to have. Did you have those? Yeah. I mean, so the way that we set up the business, and I'll just tell it straight out because it makes it makes the most sense. And this will be the most helpful for other entrepreneurs that are getting into this. We had a five-year agreement where in the first five years of business, this was starting in 2015. Um, it took us a year to uh, like start the business. And then right now, we're almost at six years into the business. So five years up into the business, I think it was something like you get whatever, 10... I'll just do these numbers. 20% every year for five years. And so if I were to leave after three years... I can get up to sixty, or I can get sixty percent of my current shares um, that I had, and so um, he was over the five years. We never, and this is just straight honest. This isn't me trying to make any of it sound better than it is. We never had a conversation about like, hey, equity, this, that, whatever. Um, you know, he he was getting a little bit of a seller for a bit, and then we just said, hey, let's go ahead and um, change that up a bit or whatever. But yeah, honestly, like we were very fortunate. Like we were friends first. I, I say the example of like the billionaire thing in the beginning. Honestly, I live in a 600 square foot apartment. I'm doing plenty fine. I got a 2008 Honda Civic. Money's the last thing I'm worried about. I don't really i I don't put my I don't put my faith in the money or the objects or the things. Like I love running the business, and at the end of the day, if I get a hundred million dollar check, that's cool. And if I don't, that's cool too. It doesn't matter to me. So. Yeah, I think as you grow up, you realize how little money you need to be happy. Um, totally. You know, that's, that's, that's the cool thing about entrepreneur, like being an entrepreneur is like, you can get there a lot faster than you think. Um, but the flip side is, is you probably might, you probably not won't be happy with being complacent. So you're always going to try to push and push and push and kind of get to that next level. Yeah, exactly. That's the fun part. Oh yeah. It's that it's so much fun with it. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Guy can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Mesa is the expansion pack for your Shopify store to level up your brand. By turning all your apps into your business epicenter, Mesa can help lighten your workload and tame the day-to-day chaos of running your store. Join successful brands like Mudwater, Chubbies, and Golden to learn how to use clever workflows to get more done without more overhead. Whether you need to order details in Google Sheets, products added on Etsy, or customer information updated in your CRM, Mesa connects your data where it's needed most. 
To put it quite simply, Mesa is a better way to work. Browse pre-made templates for Shopify's most popular apps to get your first automation up and running in minutes. Search Mesa, that's M-E-S-A, in the Shopify App Store and download the app today. Is your store holiday ready? Now is the time to make sure you and your team are prepared for the busy season ahead. Gorgeous, an omni-channel help desk built for e-commerce has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. Merchants can close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Bandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools such as Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. Mention this podcast when you sign up to get two months free. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Today's show is sponsored by the Be Profit app for e-commerce sellers. If you're looking to get a crystal clear picture of your online store's profitability, the best way to do that is with the Be Profit Profit Tracker. Your online business probably has a ton of different expenses that often shift and change. What if you could keep accurate track of things like ad spend and production costs and get an accurate profit margin calculation without the headache of spreadsheets or half-baked apps? That's where Be Profit comes in. BeProfit lets you analyze all of your store's data quickly and accurately to stay on track and optimize your profits. I know a lot of our listeners out there probably keep track of their profits and expenses with a spreadsheet. That will work for a while, but as your store starts to scale up, that simply isn't a viable method of accurately measuring profitability anymore. BeProfit can change all of that for you. Available on Shopify and all the other top e-commerce platforms, the app offers advanced analytic tools to turn mountains of data into intuitive charts and graphs in the blink of an eye. Customize your dashboard, discover valuable insights, and zoom in on the metrics that matter most to you. Take it a step further and gain full control over your data by creating and exporting custom reports. You can even find out which are your most valuable products, top performing ads, best customer cohorts, and so much more with the Be Profit Profit Tracker. Visit beprofit.co today to start your 7-day trial. Don't forget to use code HONEST15, that's H-O-N-E-S-T-1-5, to get an exclusive 15% off any plan you choose for the lifetime of your plan. That's bprofit.co, discount code H-O-N-E-S-T-1-5. Getting an online business off the ground isn't easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up your free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T.
we quickly ran through some key m- moments of of the growth of the brand. So the idea the idea of the brand it, it, and it, uh, it kind of came from your partner with kind of him uh, meeting someone that had a similar brand. Um, correct. Yeah. Yeah. So and, and just quick quick synopsis of the brand at this point. So started with custom vitamin packs. So everything was gummy vitamins. You put your name on the back. So we could say Chase's pack. We could do omega, vitamin D, vitamin C, elderberry, melatonin, whatever we want. Put it in a pack for you. Send it off. Four-week subscription where it continually recurs. We grew that business up to a seven-figure business, um, hit into the seven figures, and then hit a point where cost per acquisition, profit loss, all that looked good, but the cash flow is not ideal. So we had one of two choices. You either go into retail and go grow a little bit more organically and a little bit slower, maybe, um, or we go out and raise a ton of money. And by a ton of money, I mean tens of millions of dollars like our competitors, Care of, Ritual, all these other companies have done. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. We just weren't big fans of raising a ton of money. And so we we're like, let's go ahead and try to go with the more organic route. So in 2019, we launched into retail um, with a big goal of trying to get Target. So 2019, we had 500 stores by the end of the year. By the end of 2020, we had 5,000. By the end of 2021, we had 6,500. And now, you know, that sounds, that sounds great. It's, it is really good. Like we've been very fortunate with the stores that we've gotten and everything. But now I'm pulling back a little bit and I'm being very, very specific with like, Hey, which stores do we want to do? And let's make sure that we're very, very successful within those. Absolutely. Oh man, you're just laying it all out there. I, I applaud your honesty. The listeners would be get mad if I didn't narrow in on this one statement. You said you guys launched and went to seven figures very quickly. There's a lot of story there. So let's just go to the, the first part of the story is how did you get those first set of customers? Like how did you spread the word about this product? Um, and how did you kind of scale from there? Yeah, and, and I appreciate that because I'm actually going to correct myself. We we scared, scaled fairly quickly looking back. In the moment, it was not. The first six months of the business, I'll tell you exactly how it went. The first day we got 33 orders, it was $1,000 in sales. We didn't look at who it was. So we're like, heck yeah, we're 21 years old. Neither of us have the personality of like overly arrogant or anything, or at least I don't think. Um, and we were like sitting there like, heck yeah, we're going to be freaking millionaires by the time we're 22, <laughs> all this stuff. Day two, we get seven sales. We're like, that's weird. It's not as many as the first day, but whatever. I'm sure we'll continue on. Third day, we have like one or two sales. For the next, no joke, six, nine months, we were getting one to two sales a week. Couldn't figure anything out. At that point, we had then graduated school and we're like, what did we just do? Did we just totally mess everything up? Um, we're living off a thousand bucks a month. My rent's 550 after car insurance. And, you know, fortunately, I had already paid my car off. Um, I was living on $3 a day for food. So it was definitely not pretty. We couldn't figure anything out. I'll tell you the things that we made, like our biggest mistakes. We built a custom built site. Um, we had like a product that was like kind of out there. We had a ton of product on hand, all this stuff. We were constantly just counting how many months away we were from failing. And then I don't want to act like this is overnight, but from what I can remember, it was, you know, four years ago at this point, but we changed up our site, made our funnel really, really easy. Um, this is back in the day where really it was like Facebook arbitrage, right? We'll talk about iOS 14, 14, 15 soon, I'm sure. But, um, we were able to like acquire these customers. It took us $15,000 for us to acquire our first customer though. And I say it cost us 15, it was like 10 to $15,000 that it cost us, but it was a lot of other money that we had spent on like customizing the site and doing all that stuff. My biggest thing that I always tell people is like, You've got to use something like a Shopify. I'm not saying Shopify specifically. I do think Shopify is probably one of the best, if not the best. But um, 
Yeah. I mean, there's also big commerce and there's others. And some people will say, oh, do this, do that, whatever. If you're in cannabis, you can't do Shopify. So whatever. But the idea is don't try to go out there and custom build it, at least to start. When you're bigger, better or whatever, maybe it's different. But that was our biggest mistake. And uh, and then from there, just make it like as simple as possible. Like we had grandparents using this stuff and they were like, just walk me through it. I can't do this. And I'm like, they can walk through Amazon. They should be able to walk through this. So, and then once we started figuring it out, then we started dumping money into the the process and, and, and got some good results from it, um, built to a certain point. And then we were starting to look at like, hey, what's the cash on cash return? It was taking us four months to get the cash back. So we were going to still be able to grow if we were doing it that way. Um, but we wanted to kind of diversify a little bit, which I'm super happy with today because obviously with iOS 14, um, the investment's nowhere near as what it was. Absolutely. So you were uh, found traction a little over five years ago. So we're talking 2016 is when you guys were probably ramping into paid ads on Facebook. 2016, we started. 2017, we really... Beginning of 2017, I think it was like... Gosh, so we launched in March. By probably like March, April, we had started figuring it out. And then by like August of 17, we really were ramping and then at gotcha. that point, yeah. um, so that was oddly enough, that's around when our agency started. I think is that right? Oh, okay, that's crazy. The wild west of Facebook ads. I remember you could you could put up an ad of of blank square and make money sometimes. Like it was wild. Yeah, um, it, it was really cool, uh, especially if you had a product that had value that people actually wanted. Like you could really you could really scale some things to where you know I don't think there's anything uh, that's happened since has has been just as crazy. Maybe. TikTok and its virility is helping a lot of brands grow right now. Sure. Uh, but that whole that whole thing of, of Facebook back then versus Facebook now are two completely different things. If you were to launch the same business right now, do you think you could do it on Facebook ads? No, hundred percent not. I've got a number. I mean, I know your your background a little bit, but I don't. I I've got a number of buddies that have been like, "Hey, I want to launch into a direct consumer business," and I'm like, "Dude." If you're talking direct consumer in terms of like online on your site, I'm highly suggesting against it at this point. I mean, if you if you got behemoth of money, there's a little bit of a different story. Maybe you can test Lord and go. Um, gosh, I would just go a totally different route now. It's just, but I guess it depends on there. It depends on so many different factors. I just know that like iOS as a whole has just caused so many complex issues. With I don't know a single person online that is like winning like they were. Yeah, it, 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 those you know, if we want to dumb it down for anyone that's been living under a rock, uh, what are the two main takeaways of what happened with the two releases of Apple, which Google kind of did the same things on the Pixels as well? Um, I don't remember what order it was because I don't care because it just annoys me. Uh, so it was like fourteen comes out and basically sabotages the data and how a cell phone will talk back to major corporate conglomerates, basically Facebook. And so your numbers are mismatched with your return on ad spends and kind of like all of your ads managers. And then the next release basically sabotaged uh, email open rates. Uh, and it was hard for... And now it's hard, harder for marketers to know whether or not their emails have been received and opened by people on uh, iOS devices. I don't know if Google actually uh, did something similar on the Pixel devices. But is there, I, that was a very, very quick crash course on what happened there. Is there anything else that specific I left out? No, yeah, I think I think you're dead on there. I think it was a big shock to everyone. We actually cut a lot of our spend right before that because we were seeing CPMs rise, and 
I think it's honestly caused issues globally. Like we've got the supply chain issue, but I was talking to a number of friends back in like August, September last year and tell them like, watch, we'll have, we'll have some issues Q1, Q2 of this next year. Um, first because of supply chain, but second, because of Facebook, like a number of businesses were thriving. I mean, I'm talking $30 million businesses. Like if you look at native deodorant, I think his name's like Moy Ali, Moy Ali, something like that. Dude's a genius, right? Like I think he's awesome. He would still be successful in today's day and age or whatever, but he couldn't do what he did because it's just a totally different time. Like he was getting $2 acquisition costs on Facebook back in the day, built it to a $20 million business, sold it for a hundred. We can't get $2 clicks nowadays. <laughs> so it's just, a, it's a different world. That's why I asked you such a specific question a few minutes ago is because I know the answer. And I want everyone listening to understand that if your goal to scale your business in 2022 is to dump all of your life savings into Facebook ads, you're going to go bankrupt. And I want to stop people from going that route. And I want to save them money. You could invest that money in other places and probably build a successful business. But if your only goal and your strategy is, I'm going to buy customers through Facebook and Google, you're not going to do it. So what what you know? How are you guys dealing with iOS fourteen fifteen these days? Have you found something uh, to help? Gosh, we we pull out a lot of our marketing dollars there. To be completely honest, our approach right now is we're going to hit we're hitting Amazon pretty hard. We had some really good success in growth last year. Built it from you know low six figure businesses, seven figures within three months. We um, in terms of run rate, we um, are continuing to invest there. We're investing in a lot of our retailers. Um, honestly, my approach right now is more on the safe side. Okay, so we come from we come from side, and I always want to clarify this stuff because it depends on the business that you're in. Um, if you're in a business where you're going to raise a bunch of money, you have a lot more money to test. I think that there are people right now that are winning on YouTube, people that are winning on TikTok, people that are winning on Snapchat, people that are still winning on Facebook. Honestly, like there are people that are still figuring it out and, and doing well. Um, but we don't we don't put the budget towards that right now. We're like, hey, we're we're running on a profit basis, but we're also trying to make sure that we're as effective as possible. So our whole approach is we're just taking it as is, right? Like uh, taking it on a day to day basis, figuring out like, hey, what is it? I continually am connecting with a number of people, whether it's agencies or friends in CPG or whatever it may be. And as I start to hear that uh, that Facebook starts working again, or you know whatever, I'll start to invest a little bit more. Um, but but we pulled out almost all actually all of our budget in like April of last year. We went a little bit into influencers. That's hit or miss. It's a really difficult game. But yeah, it's it's definitely like it's a marketer's game now. It's not a uh, you know Facebook arbitrage game anymore. So absolutely, um, that's interesting. I'll, I'll I'll connect with you more after the podcast about that kind of stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Nick, I, I I can't I can't thank you enough for coming on the show today. Now, is there anything that I forgot to ask you that you think is going to resonate with our audience? I think I think one thing that would be useful. So we've gone through a number of different business models. Um, I wouldn't say anyone was like an overly successful or overly big failure. Um, we are changing our I wouldn't say changing our model, um, but we are changing a number of things um, with our business. We have a new product that's actually launching in mid-March on our site. Um, and one thing I'll just tell people out there is the custom packs is a really cool thing, right? It's very different. In college, I was taught nonstop, you've got to learn or you got you got to provide a product that no one has. 
one of my favorite business models out there is there's this place that's called Take 5 Oil Change. Mm-hmm. It's a five to 10 minute oil change. That's all it is. There's nothing different. They don't put any crazy oil in your car. They don't like, you know, whatever. They give you a water bottle when you go in, you sit in your car, they do the oil change, you're in and out. And to me, I pay more to go do that. But my least favorite thing is waiting in the car for an hour and a half. So my point to it is there's tons of ideas that people probably have out there. And it's really hard to know if an idea is good or bad or whatever it may be. One thing I would say is just keep it really simple and just make it, you know, very easy. Go down the grocery store aisles and understand that like for us, we've been in bags this entire time and no one else is in bags. Well, there's probably a reason why they're not in bags. And a lot of it is operationally. So that's uh that's probably the only thing that I would really say is don't don't overcomplicate um what the business model may be. We're launching a new product. It's very simple, it's very easy to understand, and hopefully, hopefully it's a decent success. Absolutely. And for those that are curious about, you know, obviously the products that you currently have and this new product that's coming out soon, where should they go to check it out? Yeah, vita5.com. Um, feel free to connect on LinkedIn as well. Anything there on our site, there's probably going to be a pop up with um, the tech stuff. If you if you do sign up for the text, we'll let you know as soon as the new product is launching. It should be awesome. It's really probably one of the most innovative things to the vitamin industry. Most of the vitamin, and that's not bragging. That's just that the vitamin industry doesn't innovate. So, um, but it, but it will be awesome. It's going to be a really really good thing launching in March. So. Awesome. Yeah. Well, so anyone listening, this podcast is coming out after their launch date. So just go check out the website uh, to take take a look at that. It's vita5.com. Nick, you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for coming on. Awesome. Thanks. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.